Hello, lovies. Happy Saturday. This is Shelly, your mouthy mama from Talking Trash and Truths. And I am bringing you topics from the letter C. That's right. It's a letter day. So let's go over things that are C related. C like confidence, cats, childhood, cleaning, my Connor, cooking, cost of living, crude humor, cursing. There's so many more though. There's a lot that I would love to say, but I don't want to get kicked off YouTube. So let's see confidence. What does confidence do for us? You don't have to actually feel genuine confidence to appear confident. I am not a confident person. I have very low self-esteem. I'm well aware of that. I am very shy. I am well aware of that. But I don't need other people to be aware of that. I don't flaunt my vulnerabilities. At least not, you know, in public. So when I walk into a room, it's, you know, shoulders back, tits out, ass, you know, ready swing those hips make eye contact with fucking everybody you keep that head up you walk proud you smile touch as many people as you can because let me tell you when i walk into a room i walk into a room you may not like me you may hate me but you are going to pay attention to me and you're going to try to talk to me that's just how it is I won't go over and talk to anybody. I just don't do that. I don't text people first. I don't call people. I don't go meet them. They come get me. Like, it's just the way it's always been. Mainly because I get wrapped up in the stuff that I'm doing. So if you don't come and interrupt me, I'm never going to pull my head up and remember that I have to go see you somewhere or whatever. But that's neither here nor there. My confidence is purely um, borrowed from the future, I want to say. Like, I have confidence that I can carry that off. I have confidence that I can walk without letting anybody let, you know, catch on that I'm nervous or out of my depth or whatever. I don't like people to see my weaknesses. So I've gotten very good at, you know, fake it till you make it. And it's very appealing. I don't like men or women who don't have confidence. Like I'm not attracted to somebody who does not have confidence in themselves. I'll be the first one to admit I go for the egotistical swagger. I do. I want you to toot your own horn. And I want you to toot my horn because I want to hear that somebody's proud of me the same way I'm going to shout it from the rooftops when I'm proud of you. You know, so somebody that's effusive like that and expressive, that's what I want. You know, embrace all the emotions. Nothing is, you know, off the table. Good, bad, in between, doesn't matter. But the one area I can't have a partner dwell in is some type of like pity party. I can't have a reluctant man. 
I cannot have a man who's going to hesitate. Like if I'm yours and you're mine and you want me, take me. Like just don't pussyfoot around. Don't be like, oh, excuse me. Like there was a comedy sketch. Eddie Murphy did that once. And he was like, he was right. He said, the girl is like, when you're like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. She's like, no, like automatically she's not going to do what you want her to do. But if you go in and you like grab her by the back of the head and you're like, I want to fuck this shit out of you. She's going to be like, oh, daddy, like, come on. You know, like it's, or it's dependent on my audience. I boppy, I boppy, I boppy. That guys used to love when I used to say, I boppy, please. And they, I don't know why they like that so much, but it's like, whatever. I mean, I do know why, but it's still bizarre to me because you call me mommy and I want to punch you in the mouth. Because <laughs> I, that does not turn me on. The fun of me being the mommy does not fill me with, you know, like orgasmic anticipation. God, I'd be like the Sahara. Jesus. Anyway, confidence is key. Confidence will get you. It'll get you your foot in the door. It'll get you that first like stone of respect that you're going to have to like slowly collect over time. It takes a lot to earn my respect. It takes a lot to earn my trust. My children just don't care that I'm in the middle of this. They're just walking around making noise. Like they don't care at all. Because it comes to food. Everybody needs to be in the kitchen now. So it's like, fuck. Uh, all right, cats. Well, I mean, I should have really let Connor do this one. But cats, to me, they're... They're the best apartment companions I could have. I would never want a dog in an apartment. One, because it's, there's not enough room for them to run around. Two, I'm going to wind up tripping over them. Three, I'm not walking that dog four or five times a day. No. Cats go poop and pee in the little box. And I have children, so I make them clean it. So I'm good. You know, I like my kitty cats. My kitty cats, of course, love my children more than they love me. They just love to bother me. Um, but I'm very much like a cat. You know, like, <laughs> I walk like you can't see my asshole. You know, like, that's how a cat walks. Cat walks with its tail up. You could see its, like, genitals and its asshole right there. And they don't give a crap. They will put that right in your face and be like, Poof! just fart right in your face. And a cat will look at you like, you're welcome. Like, and you really, you feel almost like you have to thank them. It's weird. So, yeah, I, I tend to be like a cat. Not in that, you know, I'm going to turn around and fart in your face because that's gross. That's how you get pink eye. Um, I would, you know, basically turn around and be like, I'd give you my back and like, you know, smirk over my shoulder and walk away. And expect you to follow. And be disappointed if you don't. And then go back and play with you a little bit more. I am very, very playful. I enjoy playing with men, women, doesn't matter. It's it's not a sexual thing most of the time for me. It's I'm just a flirty person. I'm very friendly. I'm very tactile. I love affection. Every kind of affection. Like, I have a million love languages. So... Um, so that's my take on that. Childhood. Childhood is, according to Hope Floats, 
Childhood is what you spend the rest of your life trying to overcome. And I have never heard a truer sentiment in a movie in all my life. Like you literally spend the rest of your life, your whole adult life, trying to make up for what you didn't get as a child. Now, from looking from the outside in, I had a very idyllic childhood. You know, I had a big family. We had money. We had boats and cars and this and that. You know, like I, I didn't want for anything because people would buy me stuff. But then if you like peel back, people would buy me stuff and I was supposed to be super, super grateful because now I owed them because I couldn't afford it because my mother couldn't afford it because she decided to marry my father who nobody liked. So we got cut off from everything. You know, we were always there on the fringes, you know, the poor relations, the black sheep, the tainted. So yeah, I was, I was put down and pushed out of the way a lot. I grew up very well knowing that I was lesser, that I was undesirable to my family, that I was a cause for shame. Even at four years old, I knew that. And I spent most of my adult life trying to be worth something to prove that I don't exist just to exist, that I, I earned my, my right to exist in this world, you know, prove to the world that I have something to offer it. That's a horrible way to live though, because I shouldn't have to prove that I'm worthy of existence. I should just be able to exist and pursue my happiness, you know, and the happiness of others if I so choose. But no, they have it twisted and turned so that because I didn't get what I needed as a kid, because I wasn't protected, because I wasn't shown affection, uh, because the only thing that my family knew how to do was throw money at it. Something's wrong, throw money at it. That's all. Money and food, money and food, money and food. They didn't have any vices except money and food and extramarital affairs. As, so I found out. <sighs> Moving on. Cleaning. Fuck cleaning. I hate cleaning. Do you know what it is to have to clean every single baseboard, every single everything, and you have cats and you have children who don't like to cut their hair. So they have long hair and you have long hair, but your hair is falling out. So as you go through the living room and everywhere, even though you just cleaned, there's hair stuck here, hair stuck there. It's like tumbleweeds across my carpet. Even if I vacuum every single day, it doesn't matter. I'll be walking. All of a sudden I have like hair balls underneath my friggin' foot. If I ever, ever, ever come into money, I want a maid. Not a permanent one, just somebody who comes in every two to three days and just dumps the garbage and does the laundry and sweeps and mops and whatever. That's it. Twice a week. That's all. It's not a lot to ask for. 
I will do all my cooking. I will do all the everything else. But the cleaning, I hate cleaning. I hate it. 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 I also can't do it right now. <laughs> so hating it is, it's a moot point. Um, cooking, I love to cook. I wish I could cook now, but I can't stand um, in the kitchen long enough to cook a whole meal. So what Connor and I have been doing is keeping a chair near the kitchen so that I can start a meal. And then I sit and I let him, I talk him through the prep work because now he's stepping up and, you know, taking a more active role and he's learning more recipes. He's learned how to chop and, you know, the, he knew the basic skills, but now it's, I can kick it up a notch with him because he's bigger. He's older. He understands more. He's not as, um, careless with the utensils, like with the big knives and everything. Um, so cooking that's, we're sharing that now we're doing that together. Let's see cost of living. Why is it the cost of living when you get like a pay raise or you get an SSI raise or whatever, their cost of living is in no way representative of the actual rise in our actual cost of living. Like they're not even comparatively close to one another. So how the fuck, like you're going to say, oh, we're giving you an extra $40 a month. Well, that's great because my milk went up two fifty a gallon. I pay more for milk than I do for gasoline. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I have no vices left. You know why? I can't afford them, which sucks because I'm really, really, really stressed out. So it'd be great if I could keep like one fucking vice, just one, just one. Crude humor. That's me all over. I'm all about the 13 year old potty humor. I love dad jokes. I love corny jokes. I love dick jokes. I love them all. You want to tell me a joke about beef curtains? I'm your girl. You want to talk about, you know, what was the, what, what the, one of the first dirty jokes I think I ever heard was what do you call the sweat between Dolly Parton's boobs? Mountain Dew. Can you believe it? How do you punish Stevie Wonder as a child? Put a plunger in the toilet. All right. These, these are horrible jokes, but these are the crude kind of jokes I heard growing up in a gas station. I didn't understand now, but now they're kind of funny, kind of funny in a really offensive way, but you know what? The funniest jokes were usually offensive and I really miss them, but that's not a C word. However, my next C word is cursing, which I excel at. Ah, to curse. Sometimes cursing is, um, well, it's just unnecessary, but for the most part, I think it's critical in every conversation. Ow, I just bit my lip in every conversation. Like sometimes it just helps you make a fucking point. Sometimes it's for emphasis. Sometimes it's to close it out. Sometimes it's to get somebody's attention. So they, you know, you don't have to like point them out. You're doing them a favor really by cursing at them. You're just, you know, you're not calling them out on their bullshit. 
There's all sorts of things you can do. I mean, cursing, that's God. Oh, what can't you do with cursing? Sometimes it just makes you feel better. You know, when you're when you're drinking or you're out partying and you just let it fly. And sometimes it it's just cleansing. Sometimes it makes you feel, you know, like you're a little bit of a bad girl. Maybe you're feeling your age and you want to go out and have a wild time. And you're not going to have a wild time saying, oh, gosh, golly. Like, no, you're going to be a motherfucker. Like, you're going to be out there, like, you know, feeling it. And it does. It, it, it definitely makes things more memorable. Because it's just, I don't know, it's an exciting addition to any kind of, you know, verbal sparring you might do. I don't know. I just love cursing. I always have. I always will. I grew up listening to truckers and cops, mechanics, you know, like. <laughs> Let me tell you, those are some inventive fuckers. They really are. But then there's the classics, which are also good. I've learned curses and I, I used to know them in like 10 different languages. Now I think I know like three. Because, you know, even I forget. But, you know, cursing is just fun. Just makes me feel good. And the last C on my list is Connor. So... I think you guys know Connor's story. Um, I <laughs> I got pregnant with Connor um, out of the blue. And, and he knows this story. I mean, my daughter very nicely shared it with him. And then I shared it with him. Um, his dad and I, we used to mess around when we were teenagers. And then we like grew apart, you know, cause it was a little awkward because my mother married his uncle, you know, his mother's brother. So now we're cousins by marriage, right? So it would be weird to mess around with your cousin. So, you know, we were like, we didn't do that. We wanted to, but we didn't, uh, you know, but we always had this great friendship and this playfulness back and forth. And he showed up at my house one day with my stepbrother and I hadn't seen him in like 10 years. And we we're just joking around. I had just moved back from Kansas. I'd just gotten divorced. I was, you know, in a place. I was not having sex with anybody. Because I was like, I'm taking time off just to focus on me. Katie's got to, you know, go to these doctors. I got to do this. I got to do that. I was focused. You know, I was selling stuff out of my apartment, you know, to pay the rent and whatever. And I, I was doing good. And he shows up and my brother forgets something, runs downstairs, comes back up. By the time he ran back up, I was already pregnant. Like he literally, that was a four minute job. I And I don't even know why I bothered because, well, I mean, I'm glad because I have my son, but I mean, that short, it's like, really? So sex has been quite disappointing since I became an adult because all these guys suck. But anyway, um, yeah, so my brother came back upstairs and I answered the door and it was so funny because he was like, why are you all red? I said, just shut up and come inside. He was like, what happened to your hair? What did you do? I was like, just shut up and come inside. <sighs> Which, 
Yeah, I know the irony. But um, yeah, so I wound up getting pregnant. And it was fine. I was 32. Everybody's like, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? You have Katie, you know. Katie's almost 11 years old, you know, ba 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 da 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 Bite me. Like, everybody had an opinion. My aunt was like, how are you going to manage? I said, I'm going to manage because I don't have a choice. Same as before. I don't ask anybody for help. I don't ask anybody to hold my goddamn hand. I will get through this because I have to. And it'll be fine. And she didn't believe me, but whatever. I went to every doctor's appointment. I took really good care of myself. Um, I went into labor. I was in labor all day, just sitting in the recovery room because they didn't have beds. So I sat in a chair all day in labor. Just every once in a while, my, my friend Vicky would look at me and go, are you okay? I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Because I, I, I have a very high threshold for pain. So I had labor pains all day and I would just sat there like, whatever. I had the IV. I didn't have any pain meds, but it was like, all right, I could deal with this. And then they told me, oh, we're going to do it. We're scheduling you for a C-section because that baby's got to come out. He's like huge. Okay. And he was in a little bit of distress, you know, because his heartbeat was going up and down. So they wanted to just to err on the side of caution and get him out. So, with the cord wrapped around his neck three times, he was born uh, via cesarean. Brought him home, and he was just my baby. I mean, my C-section split, and I, like, bled all over my house. But that's a story for a different day. Um, you know, until he was, like, three years old, he was perfect for like to me it didn't matter that he didn't sleep at night because you know he didn't sleep during the day either he just was not a sleeping child and i was on um new thyroid medication which gave me tons of energy and i was on a diet which was nice so we used to just walk we'd walk the whole town from when he was a baby 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 and i would just walk around pushing him in the stroller all day long so, I mean, what the weight was just dropping off of me. And he was always outside in the fresh air. <clears throat> we had a really good time. You know, we bonded really well. He was always so good. And then it was like somebody flipped a switch. He was just mean. Biting and scratching. And he would run at me from the other side of the room. And headbutt me right in like my pubic bone. And he'd try to like bite my thigh or bite my like my leg, my stomach, my arm, whatever was, you know, within his grasp. And it was like a demon. And I just like, they kept saying, we think he's autistic. And I was like, no, absolutely. Like, you can't do this to me. I already had a special needs kid. My greatest worry, my whole pregnancy was that he wouldn't walk, that he would be born with some type of, you know, muscle deformity or muscle weakness. Or some type of, you know, mental retardation the way she had. And don't bitch at me for that word. That's the word the doctor told me to use for that. It's mental retardation because her mental faculties were actually retarded. They were deformed. So it's like, 
anyway, I get a little, I get a little heated when I talk about the kids, but whatever. Um, yeah. So what was I saying? I lost my train of thought cause I got all upset over Katie. Um, oh, so no, I spent most of my pregnancy afraid that he would have something, you know, wrong with him. And while I was going to accept my kid either way, I didn't want him to have a harder life than he was already going to have. You know, I knew I was having a boy. I knew from the time I conceived him, I felt that connection instantly. I didn't even have to take a test. I took a test just to be able to say, here, look, but I knew, I knew the moment it happened and it changed everything about me. It changed my entire personality. I, I don't know what it did, but it burnt up all the rage that I had. And all I knew after that was joy. I mean, I was gleeful with my son and he was perfect. He was this gorgeous, intelligent, happy kid. He was active. You know, he ran around, he jumped. He, he ate all the time and didn't throw up. You know, he was the right weight, the right size, the right everything. He was perfect. And then he wasn't. And I wasn't ready to have another child with issues. Because he was perfect. How dare you tell me? that there's something wrong with my son. Who are you to tell me? And I went through the five stages of grief that Connor and I talked about yesterday. That's why I know them so well. It took me a year, a year to go back on his first day of, you know, pre-K four and be like, listen, can you alert the PERT team? I need help. I want him evaluated and I need somebody to help me, you know, uh, get him an appointment for a autism evaluation in Hackensack. And we went through it all. His teacher came with me to the doctors. We went through hours and hours and hours of testing. And, you know, by the end of that day, we had to register him with some state thing um, for kids with autism. And it's it just, that's, that's where we went from there. And it, it was difficult. Like I had to get him to a psychiatrist, which is a process and a half. You know, you have to do the intake, then you gotta do the therapist, then you gotta do the shrink. If you don't like that shrink, you gotta do another shrink. You know, and the appointments are few and far between. You could be waiting five, six months. Anybody who's listening to this, whoever has to go through this, even for yourself, make the appointment, but make sure you tell the person on the phone that you would like to be put on their waiting list for people who cancel. Because usually you can get an appointment like two, two weeks away instead of two months away because somebody will cancel. But be prepared to drop everything and run that day. That's how I see most of my doctors because otherwise I'd be waiting years for some of them. 
but always ask if there's a waiting list then can you be put on it because this is you know super important and you know it's, there's nothing more important than this because you have kids and blah 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 and whatever so yeah sometimes you gotta you know play to somebody's sympathies if you're looking for you know the swiftest service i guess you would say because I, I've worked in a doctor's office and we could be cunts. We could like, and God, I hope I don't get struck for that word, but whatever. Um, we, we would see appointments coming up, but if you had like an attitude on the phone, Oh, look, there's like five appointments on the day that you wanted, but no, I'm not seeing them. I can give you an appointment three months from now. Cause we don't give a shit. You know, if you want to take an attitude, that's how we're going to treat you. And the doctors don't care. They're going to make their money regardless. They never run out of clients. Never run out of patients. They don't give a shit. It's not like the olden days. So. With Connor. it's It's been a very, very, very rough road. And. It's always been, you know, me and him. You know, it's me, him, and Katie. But for the most part, it's me and him. Me and him against the world. And that kid knows. I will never let him down. I will never, ever, ever turn my back on him. And I'll never choose somebody else's side over his. Even if he's wrong. Because in public, we have to be united. I'll let him know what I think in private, but in public, united, we stand. Divided, we fall. Once I knew what was going on with Connor, I was able to, you know, start researching, start planning, start contacting who needed to be conquered. You know, then I could organize it. I could tackle it. I could, you know, I can make a difference. You know, I could set him up for success. And I, I did, but I mean, he still, he had his outbursts and he had complete meltdowns and he was so shy. So, so shy. He had horrible anxiety when it came to crowds. Noises really were just too much for him. But he tried. He tried every day. He did. And the school was just horrible to him. And it's the school I worked for. So rather than take care of him, they'd send him to me, which would disrupt my class, set my whole, like, you know, my rhythm off. And by the second and third year of them doing that, I was having panic attacks. Because every time my classroom door would open or my, you know, phone would ring, I would think it's the CST team or, you know, Connor bursting through my classroom door. I used to just sit and shake all day. I just shake, 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 shake. Like, and then I'd be like, oh my God. And I'd start like rocking and rocking. I'd stim. I'd flap my hands. Oh my God. It was, it was terrible. Nothing my son ever needed got past me. If he said, I need to go to a different school, I got him in a different school. 
if he said, I don't like that school, I need to go to like a school that's more, you know, like this, I'd find him a school that was more, you know, curriculum savvy the way he wanted it. You know, the things that were important to him, because I'm well aware you're not going to learn in school unless you're interested in it. I was not interested in going to college the first time around. I didn't want to go. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have babies, but no, everybody insisted. No, you're never going to get married because who's going to want you? You have no money. We're not, you know, like picking anybody out for you. So you're going to need a career because nobody's ever going to marry you, Shell. Oh, okay. Like that was the general, you know, feeling in my family. I needed to go to college because I would need to support myself the rest of my life because nobody else was ever going to. How fucking prophetic that turned out to be. But I digress. My son. That's what we were talking about. So, yeah, I always made sure to get him whatever he wanted. And I knew, like, you know, as far as the curriculum and, you know, like where it was, the type of people that would be in, you know, the surrounding environment. I didn't want him to always be stressed out. And because he's so smart and articulate, people forget that he's autistic. They forget he has ADHD. They forget he has ODD. They forget that he has huge problems with anxiety. And that when his anxiety spikes, he loses the ability to verbalize. He cannot speak. His thought process shuts down and it only thinks one of two things. Well, two of two things, but it decides on one. Fight or flight. Neither one of them are acceptable where he goes. So what's he supposed to do? So he loses his shit. And then I have to get a ride, go all the way over there, whatever. So we did that a couple times and I just, it was killing me. It was killing me. I had to get my own therapist because I needed to, you know, have somebody to talk to. And I had to have my therapist and I had to have my doctor so that I could tell the doctor, yes, I'm seeing the therapist. No, my anxiety is still really bad. Oh, thank you for my little green pills. Because apparently putting me on sedatives is the best way to go. Okay. They helped for like three weeks. That was it. Okay. And then of course the doctor was like, yeah, these are highly addictive. I was like, okay, so let's not give them to me anymore. Because I have a very addictive personality. I really don't feel like being addicted to pills. Please. Thank you. So, yeah, so we did that. And my son went along for the ride with my panic attacks. And he would have panic attacks right next to me. And he would say, this is stupid. I hate school. He always hated school. Always hated it. He would say, they waste my time. I learn better on my own than when these people teach me. And he wasn't wrong. You know, the few times that he ever needed help with math, he asked me. He didn't ask his teachers. And he wasn't asking me the, you know, like complex addition or subtraction they were doing in school. He was asking me about algebra. 
And I was teaching him, you know, lucky for him that our IQs and our strong, you know, subject matter are so similar because he, he can get anything he needs from me. And he's part of the reason, like I saw very early on that he was going to have a problem in school. And I knew I had at least three years left, you know, to get my college degree. So I went back to school while I worked, while I raised two kids all by myself. I did college online every fucking night, six to eight hours every night. I didn't take one night off for three years, but I got my degree. I got a bachelor of arts in early childhood education and child development. I graduated with a 4.0 summa cum laude and I was good to go. I knew I had like everything I needed to tackle this kid's IEP to, I mean, I was rewriting curriculums and shit for these classes. And for me, it was, it was easy. I had all the knowledge in my head already. So applying it was nothing. But I did that and I got my degree and I was super proud. But best of all, my son was super proud. He was like, I can't believe you did that. I was like, yeah, I know. And you're over here like complaining about a little multiplication. Like, come on. He's like, no, 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 no. I know. He's like, that's really great. He was like, he's like, cause you're really smart. And I never thought it was fair that you didn't get the degree that you wanted. And we talked about college and he said, he may not go. He said, I'm not going to pay all that money for something that's not going to make me happy. He was like, and a degree doesn't really matter anymore. He goes, you know, I know you got one and I'm sorry that I have to say this, but it doesn't matter. Like people are going to hire you if they want to hire you. They're going to hire you if you're good. At this point, a degree doesn't even like, it doesn't matter. It's just paper. He was like, I'd rather go to a trade school and learn how to do something. Okay. Works for me. If I, you know, if you're not going to go to a four-year college, hey, that's great. God, go be a plumber, an electrician, fucking something, something that these machines don't do. And you could charge out the ass. I mean, he could be rolling in money by the time he's like 25. Especially with the way he loves to figure shit out. Oh my God, he'd be the perfect plumber. I'd rather him not be an electrician. It's too much danger that way. But plumbing, that's not bad. You get a crew, you have muscles, and those pipes cost a fortune. It's great. Every plumber I've ever known was like rich as Roosevelt. Although all the plumbers I ever knew were connected too, so that there could be that. But yeah, I was always so proud of my son. He was everything and he still is everything. He's the biggest C in my world. My world revolves around him, him and Katie, but he's still little in my eyes. He's going to be 16, but to me, he's still little because he's my baby. <sighs> Eventually, I got to cut the apron strings, but I don't think he'd wander far. You know, he likes being 
close to us, close to home. He's a good kid. And I love him. I love him with all my heart. I love both my children. Everything I've got. Connor, though. Connor is... He's a step above. And he's my mini-me. He looks just like me. He acts just like me. But then he laughs and his eyes disappear like a anime character. And there's his father. Bob's your uncle. There's your father. Right there. And it's okay. Because that's the one face of Eddie's that I like adored. Eddie is his father. Not that anybody cares. But... It is 7.15 on a Saturday morning. Do you know how bad my days are messed up? I cannot differentiate between between morning and nighttime until I look outside. It's so crazy. So stupid. Anyway, it's Halloween-y weekend. So hopefully I'll be able to see some cuties outside in there in their costumes anyway i'm gonna go i was gonna say i'm gonna take a shower but i'm no i'm not i'm going back to bed because it's saturday and i can sleep in screw it so i'll catch you on the flip side and i will see you in the funny papers do all the little clicky things please do not leave me without leaving a like i'd really appreciate it please pretty please cherry on top please all right now i've annoyed myself so adios i will see you later bye